0: Praise the Lord. Father God, we thank you that we can present the word, Lord, to the church that I believe you desire this morning. And I pray, God, for your precious anointing. I give you the glory and the honor. I thank you, oh God, for how you're working in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that the word would go forth with power and assurance and hope. In Jesus' name, amen. The subject this morning is, I see the heavens open. I see the heavens open. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 9, and it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Jordan. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus, excuse me, it came to pass those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in the Jordan. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the saying, thou art my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This voice came from heaven, the voice of God. John did not know who Jesus was until this moment as the son of God. It was his cousin, but at that moment, God revealed to him, Because God spoke and said, the one that the dove descends upon is my son. Now, the heavens are open this morning and God desires to look on us and say, thou art my beloved sons and daughters. The heavens are open this morning and God desires to look upon the church and say, thou art my beloved church. The Bible says in verse 12 in Mark 1, and immediately the spirit driveth him into the wilderness. And he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan and was with the wild beasts. That's violence. And the angels ministered unto him. What does it mean? He was driven into the wilderness. He was sent out with the notion of violence, perilous times, and we also are being sent out with the notion of perilous times. As individual remnant believers, we are being driven into the wilderness, led by the Holy Spirit. As a remnant church, we are being driven into the wilderness, led by the Holy Spirit. Now listen carefully. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 1, and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, that's where he was baptized, praise God, and was led by the Spirit, that's a capital S, Holy Spirit, into the wilderness, being tempted 40 days of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, afterward he hungered. What does it mean here? He was full of the Holy Ghost. His soul and spirit was thoroughly permeated with the power of God. He was complete, and he lacked nothing. God wants us to be full of his Holy Spirit. God wants us permeated in our soul, in our spirit, with the power of God lacking nothing. And the Bible said he was led into the wilderness. And this means he was destined. He could not get out of this. He was destined and meant to to lead and take with one. Jesus, to lead by laying hold of and this way to bring to the point of destination. This is what God is doing right now. He's taking the hand of a remnant believer. He's taking the hand of a remnant church and he's leading us into the wilderness. And some people don't like that, but it's happening right now. But you have to listen carefully. What does it mean? The wilderness. The wilderness is a solitary place. The wilderness means a lonely place, a desolated place, a deserted place. It means an uncultivated region fit for, not fit for pasture, uh, fit for pasture. It's deprived of the aid and protection of others, especially of friends, acquaintances and kindred. We are in that time. We're in that time when you wake up and you feel so lonely, so desolate, so out of place that nothing anyone says, friend, a, a, a loved one, doesn't it doesn't matter because it doesn't resonate because you're in this place. But God says, listen, you're fit for pasture. I'm going to plant, praise God, and I'm going to sow seeds in your life that something is going to come up in this wilderness in the name of Jesus Christ. Listen carefully. We have to go through the wilderness and experience it first in order to come out. You can't come out of something unless you've been in something, praise God. We are experiencing the wilderness here in America even as we speak, praise God. How we come out of the wilderness is most important. It's not how you start, but it's how you finish. It's not how you start, it's how you finish. Jesus went in full of the Holy Ghost, and he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit as recorded in Luke 4.14. And Jesus returned in the power, praise God, of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out fame of him through all the region round about. Jesus didn't lose anything in the wilderness and did not skip a beat spiritually, praise the Lord. We must do the same, and we must fulfill the scripture. In 1 Corinthians 9, 26, it says this. Paul said, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so I fight, not as one that beateth the air. In the easy version, it says this. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. So many people, they're moving aimlessly in life. They're moving aimlessly. They have no idea what they're doing. They're running to and fro. They're full of fear. They're stagnated. They're ready to die. They've given up. They want the mountains and the rocks to fall on them already. But it's not time for that, my friend. Praise God. It's time that we must be led into the wilderness by God. Listen, let me give you some examples here. Moses found himself in the wilderness. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, I said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. The heavens open." the burning bush appeared, and the voice of God spoke from heaven. Praise God. We must look for the burning bush in our lives. We must look for the heavens to open, and we must look for the voice of God to speak to us in that burning bush. Praise God. Moses came out of the wilderness because it says in Exodus 3 and 10, it says God said to him, now come now therefore and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people the children of Israel out of Egypt. For 40 years, Moses was on the backside of the desert. For 40 years, he was taking care of Jethro's flock. For 40 years, he had to think in his mind, what did I do? I left Egypt. I killed a man. Pharaoh was after me. I had to leave. And yes, he did have to leave. But now God is saying something different. God is saying, I'm bringing you out of the wilderness. And God is speaking that to us also. Even though we're in the wilderness, we will go in the wilderness. But God says you will come out of the wilderness in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Jacob found himself in the wilderness of deceit. He was a con man and found himself alone. There's that wilderness, alone business. And Jacob was left alone in Genesis 32, 24. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Jacob said, let me go. For thy day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Praise God. We're going to be left alone at times in the wilderness. We're going to be left alone at times where no one understands you. No one understands the direction you're going. People are going to question that you heard from God. They're going to look at you in amazement. They're going to say, the person must be out of his mind. But as you walk with God and walk in his Holy Spirit, he will lead you and guide you into that wilderness and he will lead you and guide you out. I'm going to tell you something this morning. Jacob came out of the wilderness. Praise God. He came out of the wilderness of sin and deceit. He came out of the wilderness of being a con man. And verse 27, it says this. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. Too many people in the church are calling themselves Jacob. Because God's asking you what your name is. Hear what I'm saying to you. Because God is asking you, what's your name? What's your identification? Praise God. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel here's a transformation my friend as Jacob is coming out of the wilderness and God is prophesying to him and he's saying for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed and Jacob asked him and said tell me I pray thee thy name and he said wherefore is it that thou ask after my name and he blessed him there and Jacob called the name of the place Pineal for I have seen God face to face God came down hallelujah and the heavens opened and my life is preserved and as he passed over Pine- Renewal. The sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Praise God! I'd rather walk with a thigh for the re- a, a lame thigh for the rest of my life and have the blessing of God than to walk upright and not have the blessing of God. We will see God, Hallelujah! We will hear His voice. We will come to a penile one day. We will come to that place of the burning bush, and we will come to that place where we're wrestling with God, and we'll say to God, "Don't go," and I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. The church must persevere. The, per- the church must go forward. The church must harken uh, uh, to the voice of what Joshua was told. Be strong and of good courage. Praise God. Because wherever you go, God said, with us, whoever thou goest, I will go with you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. People are losing sight. They're losing sight of the great God in the wilderness. I said people are losing their faith. Some are losing their minds. Some are losing their lives. Because they think the only way out maybe is suicide. That's not the way out, my friend. The way out is the way we were born again. Hallelujah. Through the Holy Spirit of God. Paul found himself in the wilderness of sin. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. This was a mean man, a murderous man. And desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues. That if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Oh, but I want to tell you something. God said, this is enough, son. (laughs) This is enough, son. You know, when God says it's enough, it's enough, con. When God says it's enough and he pulls the rug in, he's gonna pull the rug in. And God is gonna tell some people here, and I believe shortly, enough is enough. And God is gonna pull the rug in from some of the big mouths that are spouting out their nonsense. And here's what happened. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly, and suddenly, there shined round about him a light from heaven. Where did it come from? the heavens opened, and a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the prince. He found himself in the wilderness of sin. But God didn't leave him there. Because it says in the book of Acts 9 and 6, And he trembling and astonished said, oh, people need to tremble before God. People need to get the fear of God back in their lives. Praise the Lord. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Oh, come on my friend. And the Lord said to him, "Arise." He's saying to the church, "Arise." He's saying to the believer, "Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do." And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there 3 days without sight, and neither did he eat nor drink. But God called a man by the name of Ananias praise God and God said I want you to go to a certain city and knock on a certain door and pray for a certain man because I'm going to use it as a vessel praise God and Ananias was afraid he was saying oh my Lord you know that man he's a murderer he's killing Christians and so on and God said go and the man of God obeyed hallelujah and he laid hands upon Saul of Tarsus and Saul became Paul the apostle and he was able to say in Romans 1 and 1 Paul a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. I want to tell you, Paul did not preach no governor's mandate. Paul did not preach no governor's nonsense or mess. But Paul preached the mandate of God, and it was the gospel of Jesus Christ and the promises of God to the church. That's the mandate. That's the mandate that God desires for us to preach this morning. Amen. Jesus. Amen. Jesus. Jesus, he was led into the wilderness, but he came out. In Luke four fourteen, and Jesus returned. Listen to me, listen carefully to your pastor this morning. In the Lord Jesus, you might be in the wilderness right now, and you think there's no way out. It looks like everything is crowding in on us. It looks like they got us. It looks like it's it's a slam dunk. It, it looks like we're not going to get into the end zone, but I want to tell you something. Listen to what the pastor is saying here carefully. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. Praise God. We're going to return into the power. We're going to come out of the wilderness. We've got to go through. I'm telling you, we can cry, baby. We can murmur. We can criticize. We can question God. We can do all of that. But my friend, let us walk through that journey. Let us walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Praise God if necessary because God will prepare a table. Praise God in the midst of our enemies. I want to tell you something this morning, Church of God. I want to tell you something, man and woman of God, son of God, daughter of God, that God is with us in the wilderness just as he is on the mountaintop. He's with us in the valley and he's with us. Praise God on the top of the mountain. Yeah. Jesus returned in the power that's the strength of God the ability of God the inherent power of God power for performing miracles it's moral power it's power praise God excellence of the soul it's power consisting or resting upon armies and we are an army of God and throughout this world there's a remnant church and there's remnant believers and the power of God is upon them and we will come out and we will do great works and exploits for the Lord Acts 10:38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So the question this morning is: who saw the heavens open? Who did? Well, we have some accounts here. What does it say in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9? Elijah and Elisha saw the heavens opened. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, ask what I shall do for thee. That's what we need to do. You see, Elijah was a type of Christ. Hallelujah. And we need to ask God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need to say the same words. What did he say? That Elijah said, ask what I shall do for thee, Lord. We need to ask the Lord. Praise God. Before I be taken from thee, And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, I love that word. If thou see me when I'm taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire. That kind of blew my mind. Horses of fire. And part of them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Praise God. I want to tell you, friends, the heavens open with the chariot of fire. And the horses on fire. I want to tell you, God is still in business. I want to tell you, God is not dead. I want to tell you, God is alive and now. I want to tell you that God is moving in his spirit, by his power, in his church, among the Reviticus, and among the church of God. Hallelujah the Bible says. And Elijah went up in a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? I'll tell you where. It's right here, praise God, as he spoke the waters. And the Bible says when he had smitten the waters, they parted thither and thither. Praise God. I want to tell you where God is. He's here right now. He's in your soul. The divine presence of God has taken his abode in your life. If you have been touched by God, you have divine presence in your life. Hear me. We walk around decrepit. We walk around unbelieving. We walk around in doubt. We we walk around with our thumb in our mouth contemplating our navel to tri- try to figure out if we're an orange or a tangerine. We're neither. We're children of God. We're the royal priesthood. We're a holy people. Hallelujah. That God is called forth, praise God. That God is called forth, hallelujah, in this last and final hour. You're living in the most important time of church history. You're living in the greatest and most exciting time. You're seeing prophetic things unfold, praise God, right before your eyes, in the newspaper, on the news. You're seeing nations being lined up and put in certain order, praise God, because God is doing it. Yes. Thank you. Stephen saw the heavens opened. The Bible says in Acts 7.54, and when they heard these things, what things? Hard preaching. People don't want hard preaching for the most part. People want their ears tickled. God warned us of that and pro- prophesied that. That in the last day, they will, they will believe fables and they have their ears tickled and a bunch of nonsense and so on and so forth. But God says this. He said, when they heard these things, Stephen preached the hard gospel. They were cut to the heart. My God preaching should cut us to the heart and gnashed on him with teeth, hallelujah. But he being full of the Holy Ghost, hallelujah, he looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and he said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. I tell you, when it gets too intense, Jesus will not be sitting. I said when it gets too intense, he'll be standing. Mark it down in your book my friend Because God is no respecter of persons And if he did it for Stephen He'll do it for you Hallelujah and let me just give you this other thought that, that's just come to me. You know, when Jesus was in the wilderness, the angels ministered unto him. You're going to have sometimes angels minister unto you, praise God. You're going to be amazed what God's going to do in the last day. I'm prophesying to you right now. You're going to have angels ministering unto you. Some people say, "Oh, well, I don't believe that, Pastor. Listen, the angels ministered unto the Lord, praise God. After 40 days and 40 nights of yes. fasting, hallelujah. And God in the wilderness will come, hallelujah. And at times he will send his holy angels, hallelujah, that are all around us. It's the angels that army. Praise God. And they will minister to us. They praise God in the Old Testament. The angel of God ministered to the prophet. And he brought him water. And he brought him bread. Praise God. And he said, eat and drink so that you can go in the strength of God. Hallelujah. And that's exactly what the prophet did. John on the Isle of Patmos left for dead. You see? That's what the devil's saying. Oh, you people, you're left for dead. You're done. They got too much power. Governors, president, all these people, Dr. Fauci, whatever. Look at all this power mandates and all this other stuff. Listen, listen. God is still in control. And God is still in control. Praise God. And I'm going to follow God. Praise God. With the help and grace of God. To the day I die. Praise God. I'll get raptured. One. John on the Isle of Patmos. 96 years old. They tried to boil him in oil. And they couldn't kill him. Man, you just can't kill old stock. Hallelujah. You just can't kill. Praise God. Old stock. Old stock rises again. Hallelujah. And John said in in Revelation 4.1. After this I looked. And behold. A door was opened in heaven. Where? In heaven. Man, wouldn't you just like to be there? (laughs) Say, Lord, what is this? (laughs) And a door. And the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me. Man, I just love the sound of a trumpet. Can you imagine the trumpet talking to you? And said, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat upon the throne. Listen to me. God wants to speak to us. Listen, I understand the scripture in the Old Testament, where the prophet of God said, sweet bread has no taste to me. I'm not not interested. I don't have appetite for the sweet bread right now. I just have appetite for the word of God and for the voice of God and for the spirit of God. You're going to get to that place, my friend, when you're going to say, it don't matter. Food, no food. It not going to matter. Because there's going to come a time when God is going to say, seek me. And seek me and you'll find me. And when you find me, praise God, I'll bless you. And I'll speak to you. And I'll give you a revelation. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'll give you what God wants to give you. And he says, I'll give you for your future. I'll show you things to come. Hallelujah. That's what the Holy Spirit came in. Because Jesus said, he will show us things to come. That's right. Thank you, Lord. What did John see? He's on that island, and I love these words. He said in Revelation 19 11, he says, And I saw heaven to open. Oh, come on, stop right here. You, you understand what God's saying here? You understand? I'm giving you examples of, of uh, heaven opened. Heaven opened. Heaven opened. And what did John see? And he says, Behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness doth he judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name was called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. Clothed in fine linen. White and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. That with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule with a rod of iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fiercest and wrath of almighty God and he hath on his vesture and on his a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords, I want to tell you my friend, we are the armies of God we are the wretched church, hallelujah and we will come back on white horses and praise God, and we will follow him that is faithful and true praise God, we will come back on white horses Paul the apostle who was Saul of Tarsus a mean man a murderer the Bible says in 2nd Corinthians 12 2 he says I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell God knoweth such a one caught up to the third heaven What happened to Paul? He went there. That's right. He saw things unspeakable. That's why God had to send the messenger of Satan to stalk him. Keep him humble. wasn't a disease. Speak, read it for yourself. It was a demonic spirit. Trying to remind him of what a bad person he used to be. And that's what happens to some of you. The enemy stalks you and he tries to tell you what a bad person you used to be. And some of you accept that stupid lie and accept it to your soul. Instead of accepting, praise God, what Jesus Christ did for you. Hallelujah. The past is closed. Hallelujah. The past is over. That chapter, praise God, has already been written. And God is desiring to write a new chapter in your life. Praise God with new words. Words of blessing. Words of bliss. Words of happiness. Words of revelation. Praise God. That's the chapter that God wants to write in your life this morning. Listen, when the church descends into the Jordan River, you see, Jesus descended, it was a baptism. When the church descends into the Jordan River, baptism renewal of love and of power, we will see the heavens open and the Holy Spirit will descend upon us as we hear the voice of our Father. Listen, in the beginning, if you listen carefully, I said, God desires to speak from heaven and say, Thou art my beloved son or daughter. If you remember what I said, God desires to say, This is my beloved church throughout the world, the remnant church. But only until we come down into the Jordan River, hallelujah, and receive that baptism of love and power once more, then God will say, This is my beloved church in whom I'm well pleased. When the church descends into the Jordan River, we will sit, listen, in heavenly places and see the triumphant Jesus. We will see the position that God has for us to take. This is important. This is an important moment in the sermon. Position. You see, without position, you're out of balance. All sports is made up of position whether it's tennis trying to get the other player out of balance, whether it's football, one offensive line against a defensive line trying to get that offensive player off of balance, whether it's baseball, a pitcher throwing to a batter, and backing him up with a high fastball, trying to get him off of balance and off of his rhythm. That's exactly what the enemy is trying to do to us in these last days. He's trying to get us out of balance. And he's trying to get us to, to listen to the lies of deceit. And some people are going to fall for this lie. And it's a delusion. Well, that's not that bad. Maybe I should do that. That's not that bad. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should go along to get along. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm prophesying to you. You're absolutely right. I'm prophesying to you. People are going to accept the delusion that they'll believe the lie. And not what they believe right now in their heart. They'll succumb to pressure. They'll succumb to family. They'll succumb to friends. They'll succumb to nonsense. Stand firm stand firm for what you believe whatever you believe in christ stand firm what's god is saying to us this morning we will see the position that god wants us to take here's here's god's power and here's jesus position in ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Where is Jesus sitting? At the right hand of God. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world but also in that which is to come and he had put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head of all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Where is Jesus? Positionally at the right hand of the Father. Listen, something happened when he rose from the dead. Something happened. Something monumental happened A triumphant Jesus in Colossians 2.15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. What does it mean? And having spoiled, praise God, denoting a separation. You have no power over me," Jesus said. "You have no dominion over me, and you have no power over the believer. You have no dominion over my church because I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against my church." Thank you, Jesus. Amen. What that word "having spoiled" means? It means I have disarmed you. Right. Amen. I have disarmed you. I have spoiled you. You see, I want to tell you something. When Jesus died on the cross there was probably a great congregation of demons in hell and that's a dark place. Some people think I'm going to go to hell and have a six-pack and have some uh, music in the jukebox and be with my friends. It's a dark place. You're going to be isolated. You're going to be alone. You're going to hear crying and screaming and gnawing of teeth. You're going to, it just, it, it, there's going to be a flame of fire that will never quench from you. It's, a, it's going to be a terrible, terrible place. And the, the worst part of it is you'll be separated from the love of God forever. Forever. Listen. Listen to what God is saying here. He's saying, I have spoiled principalities. Beginning principality causing men to sin. Principalities, the rulers, the darkness of this world, praise God. And what does it say? He says, principalities and powers, praise the Lord. Let me just tell you this. The ability or strength to which one is endued, which he possesses or exercises. And Jesus had the power of authority. He had the power of influence, praise God. And he possessed that authority. And he put, praise God, Satan under his feet in the name of Jesus. Now listen carefully. You have the same authority. And you have the same power. And you have the same influence. And you have the same privilege. Praise God. God gave man authority over the enemy. Praise God. Through the cross of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He's given the authority to the believer and authority to the church. And he made a show of them openly. He made an example of them. And he trashed them. And he took To the woodshed, praise God, hallelujah, publicly. And the enemy has never gotten over it. That's right. That's why you fight so hard. That's why it comes against your health, your finances, your body, your family, your children, everything that's about you that you love, everything that God has given you. Because, like Jacob, we have asked God to bless us. And we have been blessed. But you know what? The enemy doesn't want you to have those blessings. He wants to take them back. He hates the fact that you left him through Christ. And now you sit with Jesus. Let me me share this with you. What does it say? That Jesus triumphing over them. He triumphed. He won a celebration. And I believe there was this big congregation in, in hell. And they were just touting him. They were saying, We did it. We killed him. He's not going to bother us no more. And that dark place. But let me tell you what I believe happened. Jesus went, praise God. And a little light began to shine, hallelujah, in that hellish place. A little light began to shine. And it shined a little more and a little more. And Jesus went up to the devil and he said, give me the keys that you stole out of the Garden of Eden. I haven't come to chain you yet, but I will be coming back for you. Mark that on your book, Satan. Mark that down on your book, Lucifer. But give me the keys, praise God. Hallelujah. Give me the keys of the death. Give me the keys of the grave, because I have risen. Hallelujah. I am Jesus. I'm the Alpha. I'm the Omega. I'm the Bread of Life that's come down from heaven. I am the light of the world. Hallelujah. I am that I am. Hallelujah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, with all power hallelujah, hallelujah. with all authority they yeah, got all shook up down there I said they all got shook up down there because <laughs> they weren't counting on it neither were the people neither were some of his followers listen carefully I'm not done your position in Christ okay We've established we're gonna go through the wilderness. We've established. We've also established that we're gonna come out of the wilderness, the same way we went in, full of the Holy Spirit. We've established different people who have seen heaven open. (coughs) And we've established the position of Jesus at the right hand of the Father, who have put down all powers, principalities, rulers, and spiritual wickedness in high places when he rose from the dead. Now, what's your position? Paul came to the church and he taught this in Ephesians 2.1. And you have he quickened. Stop right there, Pastor. He quickened. What does that mean? Something divine happened to you when you accepted Jesus. People minimize this. People minimize the power of God in their life. They minimize that we are walking around with deity. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the habitation of God. This is not trash.. That's right. This is not junk, That's right. This is not something that someone found in, the, in a yard sale somewhere on the Salvation Army for five cents. That's right. <clears throat> you have this treasure in the earthen vessel. Amen. You have the pearl of great price in your life. Amen. And we walk around defeated. Mm-hmm. We walk around with our heads down, we walk around like we're oblivious to what's going on in God's kingdom. We walk around as blind people. And we wonder why people are falling in the ditch. What does it say? And you have be quickened. Who would get in trespasses and sins. That was us. That's right. Where in time past you walk according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit now that worketh in the children of disobedience. He had us. The enemy had us. We were puppets. God came, and he cut the string. (laughs) And as Saul fell to the ground, as the light shined, so did we fall, praise God, to the ground in our sins. But Jesus came, hallelujah, suddenly, hallelujah, and he picked us up, hallelujah, and he said, get up and arise, hallelujah, for I have a work for you to do. You're my child, you're my son, you're my daughter, get up. The church needs to get up. People sleeping. Why People sleeping. I wouldn't miss a church service if I had. You might be able to listen to a tape or watch it. You ain't gonna get this. It's not here. gotta be here. Even if you listen, some people don't. Listen among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. Man, we, we just didn't have a good reputation there. But God, oh, I love this. But God, who is rich in mercy, For his great love wherewith he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins. Had quickened us up together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And has raised us up together. Hallelujah. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. We are sitting with the Lord in heavenly places spiritually this morning. We are positioned by God at the right time. Hallelujah. In our lives right now. Don't get out of position. There's nothing in this world that's more important. Than to jeopardize your position in Christ. People think, well, I'll go to work. Wonderful, go to work. Make money. Today's the Sabbath day. Today's the Sabbath day. This is the day when we come to worship God. This day when we come to worship the Lord and serve Him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God will give what you need, but you got to give him first. We put God secondary, or third, or fourth, or tenth. And we're going to reap it, if we're not careful. Because he said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some. As the manner of some. Oh, it's not that important. Oh, it is. Because he said it. I didn't say it. He said it. I didn't say it. He said, forsake not. God said that in the word. And I can only go by the word. And there must be a reason he told us not to forsake the house of God. Because there might come a day when there is no house of God. Because now is the time to bind and bond. Now is the time to have our souls knit together like Jonathan and David. Now, as we learn and hear the word of the Lord, people think... I could do this on my own. I'm good. I don't need you. Oh, you're going to need somebody. You can't do this by yourself. We got to break down walls, folks. We got to break down barriers. We got to quit living some stupid facade. Like we got this all together. No, you don't. Because we're all going to go through that lonely, desolate wilderness at times. Praise the Lord. Here's what God is saying. Hallelujah. He says in, in Ephesians 3, 9, he wants to reveal his plan to the church. What are you saying, Pastor? Listen to what the word says. It says in Ephesians 3.9, in the easy translation, my task, Paul was saying, is to bring out in the open and make plain what God, who created all things, or who created all this in the first place, has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. Through Christians like yourselves, that's you, gathered in churches, This extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. What's happening? You know, some people are never going to get this. Some people are never going to know about the plan of God. They're in a dark. They're in a dark church. They're in a church where the pulpit is dark. They're they're in a church that dead has no Holy Spirit. And no one is teaching them about the plan of God in the last day. God wants to reveal this plan positionally to the church. Because how can God have a triumphant church without spot or wrinkle unless he reveals his triumphant plan to the church? And you have to have your ears spiritually open wide and your heart open wide and your mind and your soul open wide for the illumination of God's word. What is God saying here? He's saying this, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem yeah. and Judea and in all Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. What's God saying? God's saying, I want to reveal my plan through the power of the Holy Spirit to the church. But guess what? Most churches don't want the Holy Spirit. They've closed the door to the Holy Spirit. They've closed the door to the power of God. And people still sit there and listen to dead dried up preaching with no anointing dead dried up music with no anointing I want to tell you something and tell me if I'm wrong when you walk in that church and you might be a few minutes late and you hear people sing I want to tell you what happens to you as soon as you walk through the doors of that church you feel the love of God that's right and the presence of the Lord is right there in your face. It's right there. You can't deny it. It's you can hide from it. You can close your ears. You, you, you can do all kinds of things, but the love of God and the worship of God and the preaching of God's word is here. That's right. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why? Have you ever asked yourself why we're so privileged? Why? Why are we so privileged? Because there's enough people here that really want to receive from God. And as long as we have enough people here that want to receive from God and want to love one another and want to go through this wilderness, praise God, and come out on the other side, we will come through the doors of this church. And we will feel the love of God, we will feel the power of God, we will have the favor of God, hallelujah, and we will prevail with God in the name of Jesus Christ. God wants to reveal this plan to the church. And what's the plan? Behold, he says in Luke 10:19, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. What's God saying here? I'm going to break it down. The word behold means I want you to see. I want you to know. I don't want you to pay attention to what I'm saying, God is saying. He says, behold, it's a clarion call. I give unto you power. What's power? The ability or strength with which one is endued, which he either possesses or exercises. It's the power of authority. It's the power of influence. And it's the right of privilege. You're privileged. Do you know that you could pray for someone and change the destiny of their life? the creative spoken words of Jesus working through you you don't have to be a preacher you don't have to be on television you don't have to be famous but you could sit down with someone in a coffee shop and have a cup of coffee and simply tell them your testimony and they look at you as they're mesmerized saying I knew you before but I don't know you now What happened? What a great opportunity. What an avenue. What a door of utterance to speak with boldness and courage and love and say, I want you to have what Jesus gave to me. It says, behold, I give unto you power. Now, I want to look at this word tread. And I thought it was interesting. The word tread in the Greek means to tread down and under. Follow closely. It means to trample. To tread down. To trample and crush with the feet. It means to advance by setting foot upon, tread upon. It means to encounter successfully the greatest perils from the machinations and persecutions which Satan would fain thwart the preaching of the gospel. It means to hit as a single blow, to strike, to smite, to strike or wound with a sting. Now let me explain what I believe God's saying. This, this increment here if you look at the the definition of the word there's an increment first it starts and says tread down and under then it says trample it's another degree and then it says to crush with the feet but it says to advance by the setting upon the foot to encounter in other words God is saying we're going to war God is getting the platoon ready and it should be ready And he's the general and the commander-in-chief. Praise God. Hallelujah. And he's saying, arise, church. Arise to do what? To tread upon, hallelujah, to trample, to crush, and to advance. It's no time to retreat. It's no time to go back. It's no time for a man looking taking the plow and looking back. He's not fit for the kingdom of God. It's time to go full force, praise God, into the eye of the storm and say, praise God. I've got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the power of God and the blood of Jesus Christ assigned to the doorpost of my heart. To encounter successfully the greatest perils for the machinations and the persecutions which Satan would try to inflict upon us. Some people are going to give up and say it's too hard. And the spirit of perseverance will disappear from their life. They'll wilt They'll fold their tent, and they'll go home because they desire not to do it. No one likes to go through the wilderness. We have brothers and sisters in foreign countries that are in the darkest moments of their life. But let me tell you something the underground church in China has not folded. I said the underground church in China has not folded, but it's growing incrementally. Leaps and bounds. Because people are sold out. And I don't know how dark America will become. They're trying to gear us toward a third world nation. We're the last free nation. You saw what I wrote on Last Day Ministries Facebook. I said, Lord, I have to write. And the enemy says, Don't put that up. No one's going to respond. Oh, they respond. Because it's truth. We're the last free country in the world. Venezuela used to be a free country, Australia used to be a free country. Listen to me. What's happened? One thing socialism hates is Christianity. Yep. And in order to become a socialism and a communist state, they must obliterate Christianity and the church in America. There's two things that's keeping America afloat right now. And it's family and Christianity. Family is the framework, it's the root. It's what we live for. Our family, our children, our grandchildren. And they want to destroy that by messing up people concerning gender and pronouns and nonsense. God made a man and he made a woman. And when a man and a woman come together in a certain way, we produce children. Come on now. No one's going to change that. No one. Men don't get pregnant. Women do. Amen. Thank God for that. A <laughs> man couldn't possibly endure the pain it's of homegoing. Right, no I'm telling you right now, hurting, no a man gets a splinter, he's ready to go home and cry. <laughs> Honey, what happened? No. I have a splinter. No. I think I'm dying. It's going to get into my blood system. Can you take it out? Take it easy. It's a splinter. Yeah. Give me the <tweezers. laughs> It's a splinter. The Your son had a splinter. Your daughter had a splinter. We all get splinters. But it's getting so absurd. It's getting so absurd that we refuse to call mothers mothers. It's absurd. And we have preachers that will not address that. We will not speak about that. Because we don't want to rock the boat. What, what boat are you rocking? You're already drowning in your boat. Yeah, right. What are you talking about, preacher? Get a backbone. Because they're going to be coming for you. You know what the communists call people? Useful idiots that go with their agenda. Oh, they think they're on top of the world. Oh, we can't be touched. When they're done with you, you're a useful idiot, they get rid of you. Look at the statistics. Stalin, Hitler. Look at all the the statistics, Lenin, look at it, Mussolini. Look at all the statistics, tens of millions of people died. But there were some up there on high that thought, oh, we're useful because we're implementing this program to exterminate people. Let me tell you what happened to them. Useful idiots went by the wayside. And that will happen here in America. The big mouths will go by the wayside because they're just useful idiots. And they're just going along with an agenda that they think is okay. And those people that are spouting their nonsense on television, CNN, ABC, NBC, CBS, and all that, twisting everything into a lie, false prophets. False prophets, that's all they are, spouting out negativity, bringing fear to people, trying to cover up a lie after a lie after a lie. You know, once you lie, you gotta cover up the lie. Then you gotta cover up that lie. And when you're caught in a lie, you're going to be dead in a lie one of these days. Let me finish. He said what? He said, I give unto you power to tread on serpents. Now, this is important. I'm going to come to a close. The serpent was an emblem of cunning and wisdom. This is the same serpent who deceived Eve. This is the serpent that went into the garden and deceived Adam and Eve. And you are no match. For that serpent. Without the anointing of God. And without the full power of God. You're no match. Some people think, oh I can just do this. No, 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 no. You got to move in the spirit. You're no match. I'm no match. But under the anointing, he's got to fall at my feet. At the anointing, I can trash him. At the anointing, I can trample upon him. At the anointing, I can advance toward him. Listen, for so long, the church has taught the devil coming at us. It's time that we see the backside of the devil running away from us. On. Don't you know that when you woke up, the powers of darkness were afraid of you because you were coming to the house of God to worship God, to praise God, and to hear a word from God so that you're further equipped. Don't you know that you're a danger, praise God, to the kingdom of darkness? Don't you know that this morning, hallelujah, when you rose out of your bed and made that decision to come, praise God, with fellow believers? The enemy said, I've got to do something to stop them. Nice try. Try. I'm here. <laughs> Scorpions. Listen, the enemy's cunning. He's very divisive. And he knows how to get through the cracks. You gotta look. You gotta discern through the power of the Holy Spirit. And what are scorpions? It's a scorpion. It's the name of a little animal somewhat resembling a lobster, which in warm regions lurk, especially in stone walls. It has a poisonous sting in its tail. And it means through the idea of concealment, it hides. It hides. The enemy hides. And he wants to come out from the cracks in the wall and sting you and get you. And if you listen to the wrong stuff, he will sting you. What does it mean? The scorpion, what, what does that mean? He's an observer and a watcher. He watches. He watches like he watched Eve in the garden, like he watched Adam in the garden. He watched. Until he moved into that moment and he spoke. Did God say that? Did God really say that? Did God really say you're going to die, Eve? Did he really say that? He twisted her. He twisted the scriptures. And that's exactly what's going to happen in the last day. People are going to accept the delusion and believe the lie because he's going to twist the scriptures and say, well, maybe he isn't coming. Maybe he's not coming back for me. Or maybe I'm not even saved. Maybe my sins aren't forgiven. The enemy's going to play tricks. He's a trickster. He's a trickster. He's a seducing spirit. That's lurking, that wants you, that's calling you. But God says, I've given unto you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Praise God. God wants us, hallelujah, to detect evil activity in our homes, in our marriages, in our children. Oh, come on, my friend. Don't let the devil deceive you in your own home. That's the worst place to get deceived. The second place to get deceived worst is the church. Don't get deceived in your own home. Know what your kids are doing. Know what your kids are doing. Know what they're looking at. Know who they're listening to. Find out who their friends are. Don't take it for granted because you're busy. We got so busy, we have our children fall through the cracks. And if there's junk in your house, get rid of it. <coughs> but I love Sam. Who cares? Okay, I'll get over. Who cares? i young. He can find a place to live if he has to, if he doesn't like where he lives. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? Oh no, it's not harsh. It's the word of God. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. And if we close our eyes to it, all we're doing is inviting that snake into our home, that snake that came into the Garden of Eden, and that snake that wants to wrap himself around you and take your very breath away. My God, we cannot allow that to happen in our homes, in our marriages, in our churches, in our relationships. We must trample the enemy and put him under our feet. God gives us choices. And we're afraid to act on the choices that God has given us over all the power of the enemy. And he's hostile, and he's hostile. He's hateful. He's an odious foe and an opponent. What's God saying? Let me close. Let me try to summarize a few things that I've said here today. Jesus came into the Jordan and he was baptized. And immediately he was led into the Spirit, into, into the, by the Spirit into the wilderness. The way he went in full is the way he came out. That has to happen to us. We can't come out half. We can't come out half empty. We have to come out full. And yes, it's going to get hostile. It already is. Because the battle is in the mind. And it looks like they're winning. In the natural. Until we see the heavens open. Until we see the angel armies. And the chariots of fire and the horses of fire. You see, you got to have the revelation. you got to see beyond this earth. you got to see beyond the veil that God wants you to see. Amen. Listen. God wants to open the heavens to you. You know what happened to me. Some people look at me perplexed. 48 years ago, the heaven opened and a voice spoke. And said, I want to be your friend. I said, that has to be the Lord. How did I know that? Same thing happened to Saul. He knew it was the Lord. What would you have me to do, Lord? And from that day forward, something changed in my life. God kept me from a death of being hit by a truck as I saw an old man cross the street. And I tried to get off the medium of cement and rescue him. I stood my hand out and grab him and I couldn't. And I saw that truck barreling down the road in Fort Worth, Texas. And I saw that old man try to hop on the hood of that truck and I saw him catapult into the air. Thump, thump! On the ground. That was supposed to be me. Something held me back. I could not step into the street to rescue him. I could not step into the street, and he took a hit, and laid on the ground, and a young man got out of the car crazy, out of the truck, and I slapped him right in the face, right in the face. I said, listen, I got one on the ground here, and I don't need another, and this traffic is coming, so shut up. The old man lived, miraculously. But I want to tell you something. The heavens opened. God would not let me cross into that street to rescue. I tried to reach out to him. I just couldn't grab his hand. And that's why I'm here today. Because the heavens opened in my life. Here's what God is saying to the church, to the believer, and to the remnant church as I close. When the church is baptized in the Jordan River. With a new baptism of love and power. We will be able to recite this verse. Romans 8.37 Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. What does it mean? To be more than a conqueror. It means to gain a surpassing victory over, beyond, and more than. It means of Christians that hold fast their faith even unto death against the powers of their foes and against temptations and against persecutions. More than conquerors, beyond what we can imagine, is a marching army that's gonna cross the land in America. It may not be exactly the way people think it's gonna happen, because it happens individually first, and then groups of people, local people, and then it's national, and then it's international. As we join together in spirit with brothers and sisters across the world, who are praying for us right now here in America, in foreign countries. Listen. Is it going to be challenging times? Absolutely. There's no doubt. Are we going to be led into the wilderness? Absolutely. But by faith, we will also come out of that wilderness. Let us pray. Father, you've spoken today again. Given us a word, I believe, for the hour. I thank you for it. I appreciate the privilege of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray for the folks here that love God, that are being led into their wilderness, whatever it may be. And I pray for those across America, that we're being led into a wilderness here in America as darkness settles upon our land. But we are the light and we are the salt of the earth. And Lord, we are a marching army and we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. And Father, we will trample under our feet the works of the enemy and the darkness that comes against us. Father, I just pray that you will continually give us your strength and your power and the will to persevere in this final hour, which is our greatest and finest hour. That we will do exploits, as it says in the word of God. That we will do miracles on the doorstep of the devil. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, raise us up, O God, to be that glorious church, that remnant church throughout the world, that raptured church that will come back, hallelujah, the armies that will come back and follow you on a white horse, the armies that will put down all rebellion in the battle of Armageddon. Lord Jesus, watch over your church and your instruments. The treasure is in the earthen vessel. Guard it, we pray God, as we guard it ourselves in Christ In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening and thank you for coming.